This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors. And today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. It was the final showdown at Sturgis. You listen to them talk Road Wild 99. Now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz. Hey there, 83 Weeks fans. This is the show that is just for you. You are tuned in live in the live chat to After 83 Weeks. We are going to break down all the myths, debunks, the juicy stories that Eric told, everything about this Road Wild episode of 83 Weeks. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I can see our live chat rolling already. Hey, Joe Bo. He said, Road Wild was a mess behind the scenes and it showed on TV. Woo! We are going to get into all of that. Let me introduce you to my panel. He runs this YouTube channel and the channel of most of your favorite wrestling veterans. Hello, Steve Kaufman. Hello. Um, I'll own it right right here right now. I'm wearing a StarCast 2 shirt because I thought StarCast 3 was this weekend. That's my universe. That's where I am. Okay. I'm, I'm an insane person. He comes to us a little confused <laughs> and name-dropping in a wardrobe way. Interesting. All, All right. right. <laughs> and sitting next to him in just a plain old shirt, spoiler alert, <laughs> he is an independent wrestler, and we call him the Encyclopedia of Professional Wrestling because he knows everything. It's George Hermosa. What's even more confusing, this is on, what's even more confusing <laughs> is that StarCast 2 was like four months ago, dude. Yeah. You're wearing the, at least add like a like another line so it's three. Oh, but also Las Vegas. It's in the, C- it's in okay. the Caesars okay. font. You he just, just the thing. he wants us to know he was there. Basically, people, what we are trying to tell you out there is you have got a panel of experts in front of you right now and fellow fans of Eric and his show. So we are going to talk this Road Wild episode. And as you know, Eric usually tunes in to do a live Q&A and answer some of your questions. He is a little bit busy with his duties as the executive director of SmackDown Live. Uh, but while he continues to be absent, we are going to look to some other names to call in and give you their insight. I'm talking some big names from WCW people on the uh, future episodes that we are going to cover. So stay tuned for that and always follow on social media to make sure that you don't miss who's going to be here and make sure you hit that subscribe button too. A lot of juicy 83 week stuff right here on the channel. Give us a little thumbs up and on that note I want to say hello to Dallas and Michael and all the other folks hanging out there tonight. You guys are sort of our fourth panelists in all this. As we talk about what was going down in WCW in 1999. This, of course, is the fourth and final Road Wild. 
And they didn't charge admission to this one. Maybe that's why we had such a lovely, rowdy crowd. 750,000 people attend the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally around this time. And uh, this was WCW kind of a turning point for them. They're facing their first big loss on the books at the end of this year. They're in the middle of a corporate merger. And, of course, the company is shifting around some profits and losses and a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes giggity-goo hoopla. What, what's the word? A lot, oh, going, a lot going down behind the scenes at WCW. The most interesting thing about the beginning part of this convo, though, on 83 Weeks, was that Conrad asked a question about 2019. We got a little uh, current thoughts from Eric Bischoff on if an evil boss could be a character in 2019. Obviously a, uh, a genius and, and well-placed question by Conrad trying to get some maybe newsworthy stuff out of Eric. Eric said that he definitely thought there was a place for it. What do you guys think? I think there's always a room for a little bit of everything when it's done correctly. Mm-hmm. When it doesn't take over. Like it, There's just a lot of inconsistencies when there was somebody in charge. You know, whether it's a McMahon or Baron Corbin or whoever it was in the past couple years or two. Uh, but as long as there's some kind of consistency, we've seen it a little bit less on Raw, but we still see it a little bit more on SmackDown, coincidentally, with Shane McMahon. Uh, we saw a little bit more of it last time on SmackDown, but I just think if it's done correctly, I mean, there's a lot of things that there, there's room for. I mean, personally, I'm a little sick of it, uh, but I'm not opposed to it if it's, again, there's there's purpose behind it. I know we have the Raw G- I know we had the anonymous Raw GM. I'm a full autocrat when it comes to this, when it comes to wrestling authority figures, I think it's time for a robotic Raw GM. That it's Ela- just, elaborate, Steve It's Kaufman. a robot. It- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We we say it's like IBM's Watson, like it's this cutting-edge AI, and it takes in all the social media mentions and tells you exactly what you want and don't want, and there's no personality. It just comes out and tells you what the match is. (laughs) Kind of like an auto-god, but it's... Kind of like a WWE announcer? Kind kind of, yeah. No, but you keep the announcers. The announcers stay, but every now and again, by order of the AI-driven... The AI-driven raw GM that'll have a name like Watson... All right. I mean, I, I don't hate the idea. I was just going to say, I think I mentioned when, I, when it's done correctly, because I think we think authority figure. We automatically think of somebody that's like, oh, here's going to be somebody in charge. He's going to be on every week. They're going to take a bunch of TV time. They're going to say what they're going to do. Uh, it doesn't have to be that extreme. Like William Regal and NXT is like the perfect example of mm-hmm. what I think an authority figure should be in professional wrestling. Somebody who you know is there, but doesn't take up pretty much the entire show trying to dictate how the show's going to go. We know he's there. We know when things happen in NXT, it's done because, you know, he's in the office doing his thing. And I think that's a perfect example of an authority figure. <laughs> oh, trust correctly. me, I know. I've been waiting outside that office with my microphone, guys. <laughs> 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about injuries. This is something that we haven't covered for a while on the show. It hasn't really come up, but they talked on this episode about the new contracts at WCW at this time. So the old clause was that the boys had 90 days of being out with injury before their pay was deducted or affected in any way. With these new tr- contracts that came around in 99, they now had 30 days. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing made a, a huge difference to a lot of the guys on the roster at that time. It's funny because when they first said this on the show, I was like, that is cruel. Like, you somebody's injured and then they're not going to get paid after 30 or 90 days. But then you then they kind of elaborated on like, well, a lot of people were kind of faking injuries, you know? And it didn't necessarily mean that they weren't going to get paid at all, yeah. but it would affect their pay in some way. Yeah. Or that you a had, steep cut, let's say. I took it to mean you had to jump through a hoop by the 90th day to prove that you were still injured. Uh, and that a lot of guys weren't doing it. A lot of guys weren't doing it or a lot of guys essentially essentially like um you can claim you're injured you can get hurt uh, an in-ring doctor could tell you on the, could tell everyone on the day oh he's hurt and mm-hmm. then they go home and then they're out of sight out of mind mm-hmm. and i think they learned under the contract oh well i can take 89 days off and then come back on the 90th <laughs> day that they're actually just lowering that window to 30 days because guys are taking 89 day paid vacations. And God forbid that there were people that were legit hurt. Yeah. They were legit hurt. Maybe maybe there was something in there where maybe they couldn't really maybe prove or couldn't get the proper doctor's note to prove that they were hurt. Now they're in a rush to get back to, to the ring because they know that even though they're legitimate hurt, they might you know, lose pay because, you know, now they got to come back on the 91st day, you know, being all hurt and whatnot and maybe risk further injury. But again, once they kind of elaborated on like, you know, like it doesn't surprise me that that's how WCW was back in 1999. You kind of hear a lot of that was kind of the beginning of the end. You know, Bischoff was leaving in a few weeks. Uh, Just a lot of things happening. Like, But so different from nowadays. Um, I don't think I've ever met a wrestler who wants to be out Mm. for any amount of time. Not necessarily wants to be injured, but who wants to uh, hold off on any opportunities that might come their way. Any storyline chances. I don't don't know any wrestlers who would just sit out for 90 days because they want a little time off. Obviously, a lot of them need (laughs) time off. But you work in this business, George. Do you repeat that sentiment? I, I, I won't go to how extreme my injury was like, you know, eight, nine months ago. But it, just knowing that there was a possibility that, like, man, like, I got to take some time off. Like, I'm right here, like, trying to and, and take everything in like a sponge. And I'm like, I'm getting the reps. And it's like, I don't want to be out, you know. Yeah. And I, I kind of had to power through it. Like, you know, I, I had a bum knee. And I was like, I really had to power through it because I couldn't really afford to miss, you know, training or time off or whatever. We even saw earlier this year with Ali, with Mustafa mm-hmm. Ali. Like, look what happened. I'm not saying he would end up being WWE champion, but look at the opportunity that Kofi Kingston got because Ali got hurt. Like, yeah. who knows? Who knows? Maybe Ali would have been the WWE champion after all this time, you know? You never know. Like, it, that's like a perfect example of like sometimes an injury is like your worst enemy. But I do think the, and a lot of a lot of people will tell you in the history of the business, the contract that the boys had in WCW is literally the antithesis to anything, any contract any wrestler's ever gotten. Mm-hmm. You're talking, Since before that, cause you're, in cause the you're meantime. Because you're talking about how Ali got hurt, and then Kofi Kingston joined the Elimination Chamber in its place, and then there was a huge, and then it's a WrestleMania main event, and he's still world champion. Mm-hmm. You put that in WCW terms, those payouts are the same if you have a guaranteed contract. It's guaranteed money. What they're saying is, all we can guarantee is this amount of money. And unless you go over the moon... We'll, we won't pay you anymore. So you get a lot of people, especially when they get malcontent with the creative, with the week-to-week, with the actual matches, with the product. Right. 
they don't like you know what if the money's the same I'd rather not be traveling every week yeah king of tech, of tech deals in the live chat says I wouldn't mind an 89 day paid vacation smiley face <laughs> like, that's a pretty good point and I know the feeling and like I, I can tell you from working a lot of bad jobs and at places that have gone out of business and mm-hmm. been there while they've gone out of business, like, a lot of what happens is you lose that morale. Yeah. Because you can get someone to turn up for the exact same amount of money and do everything you could possibly do if you motivate them. Well, if you lose them, they don't care. It's really yeah. it's really easy to say, like, oh, I wouldn't mind a 89-day paid vacation, when it's a job that you don't like. Yeah. You know? Like, I mean, we've all, I think we've all been there where it's like we have a job that we truly, truly love or we want to get better or we want to be there. It's like we don't want to just sit on the sidelines. We want to we want to be in there and be active and show the world, you know, our absolute best that we have to offer. Someone who was dealing with some maybe injuries and maybe morale issues at this time was Ric Flair. Not very happy with WCW. He had an issue with Shane Douglas, although Eric didn't know the details. Is there any light you guys can shed on what may have been going on at that time um, with Rick? I'm kind of because the uh, the reboot Nitro yeah. was when we had Shane Douglas come out and actually work with Ric Flair. So we're left to assume they got over it by that time. Yeah, but before that, Shane Douglas had been pretty much making his bread, going all throughout ECW and the underground, not two main ones talking trash about Ric Flair Mm -hmm. and about how like the NWA is a dead brand and Ric Flair is a vestige of that dead brand and like I got held back here and like Shane Douglas had a lot of heat rightly because of what he said about Ric Flair in the ring to everyone so it wasn't a huge secret to a point that when we talked about that Nitro I really wanted to push up on Eric of like what was that heat and Eric was like I don't know whatever that heat was it was gone by it was gone by the time we um what you call it? We did. He we brought Shane in to work with Rick. See, I was yeah. always under the impression that that whole thing with Shane, Shane Douglas was a work. Like, can you imagine? You were a big ECW guy. Uh-huh. Take away like all the Shane Douglas's shtick as far as Ric Flair. Like, what does he have? You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. he really didn't have much. I mean, he was great on the mic. He can talk his way through anything. But you take away his Ric Flair. That's like ninety percent of his material. I always thought it was a work, and it was just a way to get attention, a way to get over, a way to so to the point where if he ever were to get go to WCW, that's like a built-in program. I didn't think I didn't think there was like a legit feud. Ric Flair kind of said otherwise in his book. He kind of just maybe didn't think that Ric Flair was on his level. I'm sorry, that Shane Douglas wasn't on his level, which might be there's some truth in it. I don't think Shane Douglas. I don't think Shane Douglas kept Ric Flair's name out of his mouth at any time, mm-hmm. nor do I think he ever spoke to Ric Flair about, hey, I'm going to get over. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get over in the underground and create this groundswell that when I do finally get to face you years from now, when I am on your level, I'll have so much headwind of, yeah. t- of trash talk I talked on you. And I, like, given the fact that when they had a chance to do business together, they didn't do that much mis- business, leads me to believe. This was all Shane Douglas, probably peppered by someone like Paul Heyman, Mm -hmm. to just talk a bunch of trash about Ric Flair Mm -hmm. and never even hear about it. And if he hears about it, he'll hear it in context and go, oh, kid's working. Interesting. It's yeah. I, I, I knew you. I knew you guys would be able to shed some light on that. On that note, let's turn to what we call the dirt cheat debunks. Uh-oh. All right, because we love some alliteration, and because on almost every episode of Eighty Three Weeks, there Bishop Eric shoots down some rumor or multiple that have come from the dirt cheats at this time. Uh, there is a huge list this week, starting with Carmen Electra. Uh, Eric admitted that she was discussed at some point for something else, but not for. 
Road Wild. I mean, big loss on WCW's part, just want to say. He also cleared up some things on David Flair. The Dirt Sheet said that he wanted to retire, and he said, no, his heart just wasn't in it. It wasn't that serious. Uh, There was a, a little bit of back and forth about Hogan wanting to turn babyface, and then maybe they would take him heel again. Here's one that kind of knocked me off my socks. Allegedly, according to Wayne Keller, Kid Rock was offered seventy-five grand. He wanted two hundred fifty grand, and WCW folded immediately and gave him that quarter million dollars. Eric says not so fast on that one. No surprise there. He said Eric said that they didn't have to bring Rodman back because he was happy, unhappy with his pay. It was not some sort of settlement, as Meltzer reported, and. Oh, one more very juicy one. This was good, and I hadn't heard about this. So apparently, Meltzer reported a couple weeks ago that there was some sort of a done deal for The Dark Side of Wrestling, which Mm -hmm. airs on Spike. You guys should all check it out. Great show. That they were going to do an episode featuring Nancy Sullivan and her kids about Chris Benoit. And Eric said, quote, nothing could be further from the truth, end quote. So a lot of dirt sheet debunks on this one, but I think that was the juiciest. It was a little interesting because like, the dark side of the ring was great. Sorry, sweetie, it's on Vice. Um, oh, what did I say? Oh, all those, it's all, all the same. It's all the same. Yeah, the same, we're, we're protecting you from the comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but man channels. I, 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 honestly, like, I don't want to see that episode. Like, if it's if it's on, like, I I, I watch it, but like, I don't know. It, it, I don't see what the big rush is, and like, I don't, it just feels so like cheap. Well, we we just, heard about that movie a while ago with the Benoit movie. It's like, well, there, there, it's such a gory. It's such a gory, sad story in a way that it's not a mystery. Like, Dark Side of the Ring, when they found stories like that, they were stories about people you didn't necessarily hear of or hear that much of. Yeah. Whereas, like, the Benoit tragedy, like, we all, in some way or form, lived through that. Mm-hmm. That we're just, like, I'm kind of overhearing yeah. it. Unless they, uncover, unless they uncover some evidence that proves something we don't know. Yeah. Which I'm not one of those people. There are people out there who are very much... And also, too, like, you gotta think, like, documentaries are... They're not so much, like, always true. They're always very... They're always based on whatever narrative they want to say. So if the narrative that they want to project is there was something beyond that, like that's the narrative that they're going to present, and there's going to be a whole bunch of fans going to be like, oh, you know, see, he was innocent the whole time. It's like, no, it's like don't even worry about that. Like we all, we all know what happened. We don't want to relive it again. Just let it be. And like, and it, there's a big can of worms around that, around mm-hmm. that tragedy of like, oh, it's it's steroids, and it's like it's not ster- It's the entire business. There's a book I read it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm done. Like the book did a great job. They they're making a movie based on that book. The I book think, is Ring of Hell. I think the Kid Rock thing is weird too, because like he was never in WCW. Thank you. Did he? He well, never. He ever actually, opened a show with I mean, that I annoying never, cowboy song. No, I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, I believe that there was negotiations because they had, and all in like a three, four month span, they had Mega Death Kiss, uh, No Limit Soldier. So I don't doubt that Nick Rock was very, very hot at the time. I think Woodstock had just happened. He was super huge because uh, he ended up going to like do, doing something with WWF like in June of 2000. But mm-hmm. I don't, he was never in WCW at all. So he, that, that whole was weird. I actually figured it. I actually, because I was trying to double check what did he ever perform on Nitro. And it looks like he did not perform on Nitro. However, remember how there was a snow bash for MTV's like. Oh, yeah. I would think that's more MTV. There was an MTV beach bash where Kid Rock was a master of ceremonies. It was Raven, Kid Rock, and Jimmy Hart. And Mm -hmm. yes, I have the file, and yes, I'm going to use it somewhere. Uh, so watch watch for that probably right here on this channel sometime in the near future. Let's jump into Road Wild 1999. We always run these pay-per-views back and watch them again, as Eric and Conrad did. Anything 
anything that stuck out to you guys just initially, just right off the bat, one of our uh, live chatters already chimed in and had said, you know, this show was a mess. What did you guys think? What was your first reaction to Road? I always like these kind of pay-per-views uh, visually because, again, it's something different. It's something, you know, I remember one time they had a pay-per-view on a beach, on a little beach, mm-hmm. you know, Bash of the Beach 95 on July 16th, I might add. But um, it, just, it just looked different, and I liked it, it looked different. But other than that, it was like, just whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the, some of the stories were good, like the Revolution, which I was a big fan of, and against, like, the West Texas Rednecks. Like, on paper, that should be fun. And it's funny, because, like, Barry Windham, like... People don't know how good he is if you've never seen him in the uh-huh. 80s. So mm-hmm. you, you, people have this vision like, oh, Barry Windham, oh, he was tall, he was big, he was a big guy. And, like, he was really, like, nothing even close to what he was in the 80s in this era. And just that always stood out to me where, like, this guy was, like, literally the future of the business. Yeah. Um, my first look before I even watched this pay-per-view was that the opening match was with the Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> and anything involving the Insane Clown Posse coming into wrestling, staying into wrestling, working... I think, I want to say in a three-year period, they worked WWF, WCW, and ECW. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, they trained with RVD and Sabu in, like, their actual workers in that sense. And then by 2000, they'd started their own federation. Yeah. Because like, they were legit fans. Yeah. They were legit fans, but they were also legit business people first. Yeah. But like, at a certain point, they realized... In a certain point in the WWF, they just left where they're like, we're not getting any exposure and they're treating us like, they're treating us like crap. So they just leave, and then they wind up in WCW, and then similar things eventually. Yeah, happen. I heard like they left WWF because like some of the royalties from that Oddity song, like they didn't get as much as they probably thought they would. It wasn't just the royalties; they wanted their deal was, hey, we'll we'll do minimum. We don't care. Like we we'll do minimum. We'll work. They, we'll just, wanted to, they just wanted to be out. They there. wanted to. They wanted the exposure, but they straight up said, "Can you air the commercial for our newest album?" And then they never aired. WWF never aired the commercial. And then it came to a point where they just came in like, hey, can we get stunned by Austin and never come back? Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. That's It's so interesting. And what Eric said about their appearance here on Road Wild is that he wishes he wouldn't have booked it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Kind of wishes that this never would have happened. I didn't think it was that bad. Honestly, I was, a, I, is, right? I was a big fan of Vampiro at this time. Yeah. I was a big fan of that pairing with ICP. Mm-hmm. I love them. I thought the, I thought it just fit. It was just so great visually. Even going into 2000, like that, to me, I, I love that that trio. Uh, kind of ruined it when, you know, Demon, Kiss Demon kind of came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I, 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 I'm with you. On paper, I, I, visually, I loved it. I don't see what the I problem was. They, I, I think all... ECW knew what they were doing with ICP mm-hmm. because they were using like they knew what they had. Whereas ECW just wasn't big enough to hold them. The other two federations, WCW and WWF, did not understand. Like no, no, they're they're already made characters. Literally, just point the camera at them, book them, use them, and it just didn't just didn't work out. But I agree, there was a lot of untapped potential with the Vampiro ICP. Yeah, and I mean, more to say about that than the the tag team match. Eric just pointed out that there was really no chemistry there, and the six-man really just turned into a conversation about Barry Windham's size. Do you guys have thoughts on big man versus little man? Um, Only when it's glaring. Yeah. When it's glaring and not used. Mm -hmm. So if Rey Mysterio up against Barry Windham, that example, because Rey Mysterio, his stature is part of it, but if a 6'1 guy were up against Barry Windham... And they didn't mention that that the six one guy is at a disadvantage against Barry Windham. I think that's that's bad. That's bad storytelling. Like no, he's really tall. You should yeah. you should mention that. George, you're a pretty big guy. How do you feel about oh. working working the little guys? 
It's fun. I think it makes for an easier story to tell. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just overall, I think it's a little, it's, a, it's just funner, it's easier, a um, little less physical on my part, because, like, you know, what can a little guy do to me? <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, it, it's just fun overall. I mean, I, I'm not a... I, I like the story when it's told. I know sometimes it gets bashed, like, but, like, I don't... like I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing, like, a Chad Gable versus, like, Baron Corbin at some point. Like, I know, I, I think it's such a clash of styles that I kind of want to see it, you know? Well, what about Buff Bagwell versus Ernest Miller... Shoot fight backstage is it, would you call that big guy versus little guy? Not quite. Maybe strong guy versus not as um, strong guy. I what, think. What I think. What, I think. What Ernest. Who, <laughs> I think. What Ernest lacked in strength, he lacked in like skill. Yeah, or, scra- <laughs> or at the very least, scrappiness. Like I was about to say, like buff guy and scrappy guy. Yeah. Um, nothing against these two performers or the match they put on, but I would have preferred seeing. I would have preferred the backstage shoot well. fight. Maurice in the chat said, ICP equals extreme crappy <laughs> wrestling, yawn fest. Not, saying they're good workers. Not very I'm nice, but very funny, Maurice. Saying they can talk you in the building. <laughs> Not saying they're good workers. Uh, Joseph Moses says, visually I loved it, but hearing Conrad and Eric talk about it, it was a mess. Medusa and Mona were supposed to have a match. Oh, I didn't know that. <gasps> Coming off ending Team Madness never happened. Any insight on that encyclopedia? Nope. All right. Because well, <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, did, did, Medusa, did Medusa ever do anything? Was he at least in Savage's corner? But I think yeah, no. that's when they kind of broke up right around this time because Savage was kind of like so he's so he's always so on and off. He'd show up, then he'd disappear for a couple months, and he'd show up. So I don't know Savage was interesting. You you would you would you know for a fact Alundra was there. Of course, she has her Harley. She goes to Sturgis every year. Like <laughs> I, she was, probably does. Yeah, maybe in her monster truck. Ooh. She does have a monster. She does have a monster. She is just the coolest lady, I think, that ever lived. I think Road Wild probably could have benefited from a little Medusa action. What they did get is a lot of crazy interference with the Chris Benoit and DDP match. We did reach out to DDP to see if he was available to offer his thoughts on this tonight. And uh, he he was busy because he's a busy guy. But he, I'm sure, has great memories of that match. Nothing. <laughs> it was schmazzy. I like that word. How about uh, Sid Vicious versus Sting? Eric said that Sid is limited in the ring, but he had a good look. And uh, Eric can't honestly remember if he talked to Arn Anderson before bringing Sid back to WCW. That's something Eric has said before. We said that he talked about here. Like I'm, I'm yeah. always waiting for him to say like, "Oh, actually, asked me for this uh, yeah, after 83 weeks, like a couple of months ago." Um, uh, no, but are, yeah, we haven't heard that. But yeah, but I remember I asked him like, "What was that like?" Like. There's got to be something where, like, I don't know, I kind of don't want to be in the room with a guy that tried to kill me, like, five years ago, you know, um, but... Knowing what we've heard from Arn since the since his time away from the WWE, mm-hmm. he seems like a bygones be bygones type, mm-hmm. uh, however I can get by and do business type, that I think when the incident happened versus 99 was such a far distance apart in his mind. Mm-hmm. It's like, is he going to stab me with scissors today? <laughs> then I don't care. Probably mm-hmm. not. Yeah, like, are we going to do business? Okay. Eric did admit, though, that he should have fired them both. Mm-hmm. Agreed? Yeah, but we all know why he didn't fire Arn. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know. Takes a lot for that to happen, apparently. <laughs> 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 Moving on. We haven't talked about Goldberg yet. And there was a little a little bit of chitter-chatter about him possibly looking to WWF or he signing with WCW. But he did end up in a match uh, against Scott Steiner on this one. Eric said it was bad booking but great chemistry. And that Goldberg really only had one gear, but that it worked for him. Um, This was U.S. champion Goldberg, right? Yeah. No. So- no? no, no, never. This was, t- this was. I think this was TV champion Rick Steiner. If anything, okay. 
but this was a point in Goldberg's career where he he had had a pretty. This was just de- a straight singles match. Yeah. But he had, he had a pretty decent headwind as an undefeated streak, mm-hmm. but he had to start going up against the Rick Steiners of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was nothing booking wise that can get that ma- that Rick Steiner could do to not look like some scrub from win one, win two, win three, win four. Yeah. So that you, you're just at a point. You're just at a point where five minutes thirty nine seconds. I'm shocked Rick Steiner wanted that much offense. Because if it were me, especially if I were a heel, I would want some type of not a banana peel finish, mm-hmm. but a false start on my half where he just caught me with a spear and it's over. Mm-hmm. So that I get to save all my heat. I get to save all my... Well, Well, if I hadn't done that, I could have at least fought Goldberg. So five minutes, 39 seconds, like Rick Steiner actually put up some offense and then lost. Yeah. George, no Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> at the end of this pay-per-view, it just kind of felt like the work rate was kind of going down. Because you look at who was involved in like the first half of the pay-per-view. Mysterio, Guerrero, Benoit. I know Jericho was gone by here, but like, you know, Malenko, Saturn. But then you have like, like Savage against Dennis Rodman. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to see that match, you know? That there, match. Was there nothing about that porta potty spot that spoke to you? Nope. I, I remember just not liking like Hogan, like especially Hogan. It was like he had this hottest run of his entire life, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being Hollywood Hogan. And I know they were like making it. Oh, he's not Hollywood anymore. He's Hulk Hogan now. And just like going back to the red and yellow tights, like I don't know. I like when he went back to WWF and he had like the longer tights, you know. But going back and like, dude, now you just look older now. Like I don't know. Just I just wasn't a fan. Like it, it was obvious that Kevin Nash was going to lose. They're not going to job out Hogan, you know. Mm-hmm. Just. Right, so this was the WCW World Heavyweight Title Retirement Match, mm-hmm. Hogan versus Kevin Nash. And according to Eric, there was a lot of stress. He admits there was a lot of uh, hullabaloo, again, behind the scenes. However, not really an, an issue between these two guys. No discussion about who's going to put who's over or all that I mean, kind of stuff. That you, got, you always latch on to this, George. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, like I said, go, even going back and watching this, you know, back in 99, I was like, clearly Hogan's not going to lose. Like... He's not going to retire. Like he's not going to retire to Kevin Nash of all people. Like it's all. And then Kevin Nash is going to come back in a couple months because retirement angles don't mean anything. Right. It just I don't know. It just it, I think it was just lazy. It's like it was kind of new in terms of like the match itself because we don't really we never really seen Hogan versus Nash per mm-hmm. se. But it's just like I want to see like somebody new. I remember looking back. I'm like it's time for Benoit to get a shot. It's time for like somebody new to really get a, get a chance. And I know the next month was Hogan and Sting. Something already saw again. It's like. Also, Just give me something new. Not only were retirement matches in WCW specifically a joke, but by '99 they were played out as a they were a played out joke. Mm-hmm. Like people don't retire when you have a retirement match. Like yeah. what if the stipulation's not bringing them there? Is Hogan Nash going to bring them there? If Hogan Nash isn't going to bring them there, who can Hogan work with that would bring like? And who are the fresh matchups? And I don't want to pretend to know how Hogan did or didn't respond to ideas as they were pitched to him. Mm-hmm. But as an outsider looking at the match cards month to month, day to day, week to week, it looks like they pitched him young guys mm-hmm. and he said no. Or they never pitched him young guys. Because also I think the argument becomes if you as a booker think Hogan is your draw mm-hmm. and you want to keep the title on Hogan, why would you feed Chris Benoit to him just to, just for Chris Benoit to lose? Yeah. Like why would you put... You would rather save Chris Benoit for a moment when he'll actually win and have a long title run where he's the guy drawing the money. So, like, I see both sides of this, but I also see a lot. I I could understand there's a lot of not works for me, brother. Speaking of Hulk Hogan's business, I have a, I have a question solely for his business manager. He was paying Marvel Comics or Marvel Studios $100 a match for the use of the word Hulk. Because the Incredible Hulk. 
Really? So, and then he stopped in 96 because he, he, he became Hollywood Hogan. Yeah. So in 99... Did he have to start paying them a hundred dollars a match? Mm-hmm. Probably. Oh, interesting. That's something Probably we can maybe him. ask. We can maybe ask Eric when we get him back. I guarantee Hulk didn't pay a dime. Well, in, in, in WCW. Well, but like I wouldn't be shocked if WCW paid just started paying a hundred a match again. Uh, mm-hmm. Or like if they settled it. Like was there a one-time settlement? Did Marvel dissolve by '99? Like I have mm-hmm. so many very mm-hmm. in-the-pocket questions. Yeah, the chat rule points out about this match. Nash was only off for six weeks, mm-hmm. and you know, as we talk this out, I guess I'm kind. Of, we're kind of starting to see how maybe this wasn't WCW's strongest work, and and really there that even just going into this pay per view with Rodman being old news, admittedly, this main event match, maybe we should have known that this was not going to be a award winning pay per view. You can just kind of tell too, where it's like you had the previous. Season. You had Carmelone, Jay Leno, like it was yeah. just hot, like record pay per view business. And granted, like WWF was cold, totally taking over everything in, in, in summer of '99. So it was like now you had like kind of going going back to Dennis Rodman, and they didn't even the, the Bischoff's excuse was like, well, everybody already saw him, you know, we already yeah. saw him the previous years. It's like you can't just get the foot off the pedal either, you know. I mean, it's still Dennis Rodman at this time; he was still a basketball player, mm-hmm. uh, and I just do something. I just felt like it was just lazy, and it's one of those where it's like, if you're gonna not charge admission. Mm-hmm. At least make it a very, very good pay per view. I just feel like it just they were already taking like, and Bischoff will probably, probably be the first to admit like he was already like kind of zoning out mode. Yeah. You know, he'd be you know let go or, or sent home. You know, a couple weeks later. It's well, like, he had mentioned multiple times in this in this time frame that like people had to talk him off of a ledge, right? For a variety of reasons. I think part of the reason people inside Turner were probably trying to talk him off that ledge of like, yo, dude, do not quit. Right. Get fired. Do not quit. Mm-hmm. Like we're about to do a merger. I don't want to tell you anything more other than get fired. Do not quit. We don't. We don't want to lose you. Well, guys, you have anything you want to add about this episode before we play a super fun game? So don't go anywhere. Chat roll. Um. I mean. I mean, it, I mean, if I guess because no, they, they were just kind of building it where where it's like you know you can tell this was the end of the first Bischoff era of WCW. You right. Know? the beginning of the end. Well, chat roll, I'm glad to see you are still awake and still rolling there. Hello, David King and Aaron, everybody. We are about to play a game called WCW Taboo. So you have seen me and Eric kind of take these guys to task and play some games. And Christian Rosenberg, who's not here tonight, is our, of course, (laughs) uh, reigning winner of all of those. They're going to turn the tables on me tonight. And explain the game, boys. So essentially, Taboo, anybody who's played Taboo is, essentially you have a word that the other person has to say, but you there is a list of words that you can't say. So me and Steve are going to say a bunch of WCW wrestlers. We're not allowed to list any accolades, titles, Hall of Fame, you know, whatever awards. You're not allowed to list their nicknames, their catchphrases. And we each have a word that we are not allowed to say. Uh, so essentially, Steve has a list of 10 wrestlers. Mm-hmm. I have a list of 10 uh, wrestlers. Christy, whoever... I'm going to try to guess. Let's Jenna, do it. And whoever gets the most right out of theirs... Wins. I'm going to mix your thing up first. All right. We are going to start. You know, we got the minute on the board, right? You know, just Six, 60 seconds. Tell me when two. you're ready, I'll and I'll make sure. Okay. And I will make sure you don't say that that word okay. that you, you're not supposed to say. Who do you want to start with? Do you want to start with me or you? It's up to you. It's up to the host. Christy, choose. George, All go right. for it. All right, we'll mix, my, mix mine up then. I don't, I don't want to make it feel like I'm... I'm Guys, I'm, let's do this. Holy right. moly. Let's do it. Ready? <laughs> One, two, three, go. Uh, daughter of Charlotte. Or father of Charlotte. Ric Flair. <laughs> uh, undefeated streak. Goldberg. Uh-huh. That's an accolade, but all right. The, Ooh, the big it. wiggle. 
Um, you, <laughs> you, you worked with him. He was a trainer. Oh, uh, Norman Smiley. Oh, thank God. Yay! Uh, Charmel. Oh, uh, Booker T. Oh, wow. You worked with him as well. Um, he's, he gets mentioned a lot on this show. Terry Taylor? Whew. Oh, I'm good at this. I can't say his catchphrase. Uh, <laughs> Miss Elizabeth. Oh, uh, Randy, Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, AEW, um, their biggest star they have. Oh, Chris Jericho. Uh, we had an episode about him a couple weeks ago. Um, Scott Steiner. Wow. Good God. Uh, can't say that. Kimberly. Um, oh, uh, DDP. Oh, wow. Uh, polka dots. Oh. Oh, no. Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, but then that's oh, wow. nine. Wow. This is so fun, Yay, guys. Yay, I'm going to win. I'm way better at this than I thought I would. <laughs> All right, Steve. Know your audience, Steve. <laughs> Nine. I have to beat nine. I, I think I this have isn't going to go cool. And feel free as well. to play along, chat room. We, we do this for you mostly. Perfection. I, I honestly is... don't care about winning or losing. I want to do it for you guys. Perfection is what I'm after. All right. Someone else count me in. Curtis Three. Axel's dad. Three. <laughs> two. Perfection. Okay. Three. Two. One. Lori's husband. <laughs> oh, Eric Bischoff? Good one. Um, uh, he held all the belts in 97. We're going to talk about him a lot next week. Oh, Kevin. Um, he's, he wears a mask. I forgot that you're allowed to pass. No, um, I know this, because I know who we're going to talk about next week. Um, oh, Art Anderson. Um, uh, North Korea. Uh, uh, you met him at a bar once. Uh, we tra- we wanted to get him on the show, but he only does it for money. <laughs> oh, Dennis Rodman. <laughs> met him at a bar once. I doesn't um, narrow down. Tampa Bay, he owns a house on the beach. Um, sex tape. Uh, <laughs> tough enough. Tough enough judge. Uh, sex tape. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the Silver Dome was a huge gas. Hogan. Uh, quote this by Edgar Allan Poe. Nope, pass. Raven. I'll give that. I'll give that. I'm gonna lose. Uh, uh, Three, two, come on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that did not wow. go. The end there. That went better in rehearsal, guys. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that was so much fun. And honestly, I was a little nervous to play this game because I thought I might end up looking like I don't know my stuff. That's why you got to know your audience. But yeah, hey, mm. good. thank you guys for making me look Tough good. Tough enough judge with a sex fun. tape? There's, there's only two. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, that's only one in WCW um, lingo, so yeah. That's funny. That's actually really funny. You're right. Should have gotten that one sooner. <laughs> wow. So George, our big winner of WCW Taboo. Now walk the plank. No? <laughs> Maybe next time. Wow, guys, that trying. was fun. And you guys are, who are playing along in the <laughs> chat are doing very well, too. They got that Raven one long before I did. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us tonight. I see more Barb's and Stevie, everybody. We love breaking this show down with you. And, guys, if they want to reach out to you, you know, during the week and let you know their thoughts, where can they do that at, Steve Kaufman? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F. M-A-N-N, I run most of the Pro Wrestler YouTube pages, so if I tweet the link, chances are I'm involved. And you can follow me at G-H-E-R-M-O-Z. G-H-E-R-M-O-Z. I'm on Twitter, Instagram. I do a Raw uh, after show in Espanol in Spanish for anybody that's interested in See? watching that. Mondays, 10 p.m. here on AfterBuzz TV. I do the pay-per-views. I do here. Uh, this is fun. Thank you for... This is an awesome episode, guys. Yeah. 
Yeah. It, we should it, redo it when I build my time machine. <laughs> it absolutely was. And yes, guys, uh, check out AfterBuzz TV, Wrestling, and Sports Channel for all those after shows where you can join the convo on those as well. I hope to see you guys all again right here next week. We are live at 5 p.m. Pacific time <laughs> on Wednesdays. And you never know who's going to be calling in, so make sure you follow me at Christy Reports for all the latest. And we will see you next week for Clash of Champions 35. Have a good one. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the host only. do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.